Texas talking oh. What was that that you said? Texas talking oh. Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys This is Robert Duncan, Chancellor of the Texas Tech University System. The annual release of the Texas Monthly Best and Worst List is always an exciting time for legislative members and the loyal followers of the happenings under the Capitol lights. I'm sure the folks at the Texas Tribune have great insights on this session's list. So here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you, Chancellor. And uh, you may be a little bit optimistic by thinking there are going to be some insightful things said here today, but we'll do our best. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for the third week of June. I'm joined by CEO and Editor-in-Chief Evan Smith. Yeah, my, my mood is definitely more a worst list mood than a best list mood today. What else is new? No insight. Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. I'm just going to stay with the bulls of the Brazos. <laughs> and reporter Jay Root, our own bull of if, the Brazos. If anybody is the bull of the Brazos <laughs> of this podcast... And 50 tomorrow. You turn 50 tomorrow? Yes. Oh, happy wow. birthday, Haas. Wow. Thank you. Welcome, welcome to the dark side. That's, that's why you're on the podcast, so that exactly. you can wish yourself a happy birthday? Yes. Because if you don't wish yourself one... Well, pretty soon it's going to be me and the blue hairs. Well... <laughs> yeah. Ross's hair is not blue. It's gray. It's white. It's falling out. Yeah. Luckily, what's, Todd's what's here. Left, what's he left looks, ske- he looks yeah. skeletal. Yeah, All right. So we're fresh off the heels of the annual Texas Monthly uh, Best and Worst list. They released the names today, but not the explanations. Uh, so why don't we start by talking about uh, the biggest surprises on this list? Jane Nelson. So Jane Nelson was Jane on, Nelson the on the worst list. list. Yeah, Senator she, Jane Nelson. Senate, Senate Finance Chairman. Um, I thought she had a remarkably good session. The Senate Finance Committee went through all of the budget with um, in a pretty good mood, which is you know sounds like a stupid thing to say unless you've watched a bunch of budgets. And I've watched a bunch of budgets. They came out you know sort of like you know we're pretty happy with the budget we wrote. It looked to everybody who was watching closely like the Senate um, mostly had its way with the House when they went to conference. Uh, I thought she had a really really good session. Texas Monthly did not like the Senate institution to institution this session. I mean, reading their blog posts and their, and their right. stuff along the way. They, so it's not, it's, it's not a big surprise yeah. that only one senator is on the best, best list. list, and it's Kevin Eltife, which tells you everything you need to know about Who's how they leaving. felt about the Senate. But right. it's not just that he's four leaving. On, four on the worst list. It's not just that he was leaving. It's that Kevin Eltife's whole affect and disposition during the session was to push back against... Right, buck his party. Buck the party or buck the leadership. Not always, but enough. He was the apostate. Well, and to my point, he bucked the leadership on the budget and... Nelson largely turned it his way and at the end he declared himself it. pretty happy with the direction. But, but, but on the Nelson thing, what, one question that one might ask is, you put Otto on the best list, you put Nelson on the worst list. How do you make that you know, Otto's the House Appropriations Chair. How do you how do you make that distinction? Well, well, or you put Stephanie Click and Tan Parker on the best list. I mean, you know, regardless of the good things they may have done this session, did they really have a better session than Jane Nelson? Well, honestly, except for the cannabis oil, is that, have I said that right? Cannaboid, cannabis, yeah. CBD oil, yeah. CBD oil deal, which Click was an, an architect of one architect of. I think of it as non-functional marijuana. But. He, looked at, he looked at me when he asked about marijuana. I did. Marijuana. Well, I did figured you know you're, my, you're my... You're still 49. <laughs> right, exactly. Marijuana bureau chief. You're my lingo dealer, basically, on this. Uh, except for that, what'd she do? She had a fantastic speech on that. When she was up at the front, she said, members, you can't get high with this. You can't put it in those little pipe things and puff it or whatever. It was it was fantastic. So what'd she do? And on Tan, I like Tan Parker fine. Nice guy. Chair of the Republican Caucus, what did he do this session that got him on the best list? Maybe there's things. I don't know. 
But what do he do? Well, it's hard without. I didn't really remember right. anything he did this session. Um, and again, I'm, I'm sure there's a there's a reason for it, and we'll find out. I, I was definitely shocked about Jane Nelson. I thought she was going to be on the best list, honestly. And the thing that I noticed about Jane Nelson, having covered her <clears throat> formerly at the Star Telegram, she can, she was sort of Ross and I were talking about this earlier. She was sort of the Jonathan Stickland of the of her day when in she the, came in, in the old days. In the old days, and and obviously the arc of her career, things have changed. And what I really noticed about her this session was was how she jumped on the contracting uh, abuses and scandals that we've all read about. And really, you know, a lot of times we complain about the fact that people don't pay attention in the legislature to what is being written and all of the the scandals that have been uncovered. And, and she really grabbed the bulls by the horn, the bull by the horn on that. And um I, I I just I'm, I can't wait to read what it is the reasoning for that. Look, as I, we said earlier, they, the text monthly people didn't like the Senate, and they were not particularly disposed to Patrick specifically as leader of the Senate. They didn't like the budget. Eric had talked all session long about the um, the gimmicks in, in the calculation of taxes against the spending cap and and what have you. Jane Nelson, as the budget chair, may have been you know just following orders as the saying goes. And that may be what the issue is here, that they're holding her to account for what happened elsewhere. But if you're looking at what kind of a session did she have, did she manage the business of the budget, whether you like the budget or not, uh, had she do, and from a process standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, it's a long walk to get her to the worst list. I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, you know, starting with the speaker and the people that were on the... um, on the finance committee, on the appropriations committee, you know, they got a remarkable amount of the normal amount of rubber bands and paper clips out of the budget this time. I think, you know, if you're looking for gizmos and gimmicks, they're always in there. But they got a lot of that stuff gone this time. I, plus, you know, the, plus the, you got to give them some points plus for that. to your point earlier, you know, the, the speaker's office doesn't like to hear this, but the Senate did score victories in conference, right? Maybe they didn't score only victories. Maybe the House won some, sure. But they didn't the Senate, everything, but, they, but they, the Senate they, won some, right? And you know that that's the 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 fish rots from the head down or doesn't. And in this case, Jane Nelson is the head of the fish. If the head of the fish in conference gets, I'm sure she I've, loves I've lost. Being on this yes, right. now, <laughs> I've, now I've already lost where I was right. going with this. The so, point is, if she's the, analogy, though, if she's the, yeah, good good talk. If she's the head of her, if you can do this in a Godfather voice. I would really <laughs> the fish rots perhaps, from the head. Perhaps Put I'd, this like, in your I'd like to know yeah. what Jane Nelson did. Perhaps we can get to the point where we say if Jane Nelson is the head of her conferees and they go into conference with the House conferees and they come out and they've won a bunch of significant things, border security, what have you, what have you, you know, you have to go back here to the early days of this list or the early days of this list when the debate was, is this a list about process or is this a list about outcomes? That first question I'm going to ask, spoiler, uh, Erica and RG tomorrow. Is this list about outcomes or is this list about process? Because I go down the best list and I see people who are clearly chosen for outcomes. And I go down this list, both best and worst, and I see people who are clearly chosen for process. Maybe the algorithm has changed since you were there. 
Well, I'll take the question of my being there. It's it, I'm not the issue. It was you know when when this was primarily Burke's list, Burke and whomever for a long time, Burke with Patty Hart. That would always be the discussion point, the tension point. Is this about process or is it about outcomes? I will tell you, depending upon the year, Burke would give me one answer, and then the next two years he'd give me a totally different answer. It depends this on who you want on the list. This list seems to have both. <laughs> right. This right. list seems to because here's the thing. So on the on the worst list, right? You have people who are clearly on the worst list because of the way they behaved. Well, That's not an outcome. I mean, thing. they hit the social conservatives right. really hard on the worst list. You know, Cecil Bell, Donna Campbell. Cecil? Uh, Cecil. Cecil, yeah. Thank you for the pronunciation. Sorry, I thought we'd gone to Oxford for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's where I spend my summers. So Cecil, Schaefer, Cecil Bell, Huffman. Stickland, Molly White. I mean, you know, that, that's a pretty tough list, and, and, and you can't. You think, it's all about the, you think it's all about the social conservatives? Well, I think, I mean, do you see any of those so, folks, any similar names on the best list? Do you see any staunch social conservatives on the Stephanie best list? Click. Stephanie Click. Stephanie Click. We know why she's there. Ken Parker's pretty conservative. So do you think this is, so then the rap against Texas Monthly, this is some liberal rag? Is that the argument that you're making? I don't think anybody thinks that, the, that you know, this oh, list. Oh, go to Twitter. Well, in, in the well, time I think since that's the a list little, has been announced. Well, I that, think I mean, that's simplistic. I'm not saying it's a fair thing. I'm saying it's being said. This is classic. You know, but I think you know clearly Cecil Bell, you know, is on there for the gay marriage stuff. Clearly, Molly White is there right. for the you know uh, Muslim stuff. I mean, I, I think this is a pretty th- this worst list is is pretty stacked. With but the folks Muslim who share stuff, but the Muslim stuff that you refer to is not a legislative outcome. I see. I guess the, the no, it's the a question, behavior. The question thing. I'm I guess, I guess the question when we see I'm the full asking. Explanation, right. we'll have some ideas. The question right. I'm yeah. asking. Well, but what, well, why is both why is Molly and, White on both the list? Pickett and Stickland are on there as well. So. I mean, did Which Pickett I think is because they both sort of engaged in the. You know. I don't think right. that's the cats and jammer kids got on the list. I'm not really surprised by that. You're not surprised that Pickett's on the worst list? No, I mean those guys were, you know, those guys, you know, in in a process list, both of those guys were misbehaving. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. Both of you go to a corner. In fact, that's what Pickett's dad, who was my middle school <laughs> assistant principal, would have done. This is you the one who whipped your right? ass. He did. He did. I prefer spanked. SWAT slicks, we got all kinds of words for it. Paddle. Should we give a little Whoa. bit of context uh, that that uh, Joe Pickett and Jonathan? I mean, I guess everybody knows, but Joe Pickett and right. Jonathan Stickland got into it in this committee hearing when Joe Pickett accused Jonathan Stickland of rigging the witness uh, list for process the, for the and, red light cameras for, bill and right, committee. right, right. And so I, I, we would assume, right, that that, that they both kind of got wrapped in this. Uh, this brouhaha together, and they're well, both St- going Stickland, down together on the worst Stickland list. Stickland had a uh, a session kind of from end to end that if you like Stickland, you're not going to like him being on the worst list. If you don't like Stickland, you go, well, end to end on the session. Right. Pickett was a rifle shot. Pickett was presumably right. just this one moment. Yeah. You, but, know, you, jo- know. you wrote about Joan Huffman and the spouse loophole right, and other that- ethics things. Joan Huffman ending up on this list presumably is is about that. That's an outcome steal. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, you have to, in terms of like getting what she wanted, she got this spousal loophole where basically you can drive a truck through it, um, and lawmakers, elected officials will be able to, if this, if if Greg Abbott ultimately signs it, they will, and Abbott included, 
will be able to put stuff in their spouse's name and pretty much never have to disclose it. She got that on two bills, and she pretty much had her fingerprints all over it, which is not the M.O. of ethics, uh, little stinky ethics well, provisions. A, Typically, you get other people to do it for you. It's an interesting idea. You know, there's a there was a rumor going around that somebody got her to do it. And, and the theory here was that nobody her would, in their right mind. Well, the theory here was that nobody in their right mind would want their name on this stuff. And she's put uh, the governor in a position where he's got two ethics bills, as you say, where, you know, but for these items, he signs those bills, no question. And now he's got to look at this thing and say, do I serve this punch with that thing floating in it, right? Or do I veto? Well, and the ethics, or do I veto ethics bills that I said? We're the centerpiece of the session. Yeah, the, and members of the Ethics yeah. Commission, Republican appointed, including Jim Clancy, right. the former chair, right. have advocated for a veto. And, right. and, it, and the other thing is that she goes home now to a re-election race, whether the governor vetoes this or not, whether this stuff had passed the legislature or not, having to explain herself on this. Mm-hmm. You can bet this is in – if there's an opponent, you can bet this that she wrote them the mailer. And that's probably a lot more harmful than being on the worst list, although that being on the worst list would obviously corroborate or, or add to it. But right. that that could be a, a real issue in, in a race for her. What were your thoughts on Trey Martinez-Fisher being on the best list? Surprise. Um, you I, mean, know, I understand he's the prince of poo and all that, but, you know <laughs> – I get that. He's Mr. Point of Order. But like what? I mean, again, nice guy, fine. Well, he kind of – it's interesting. He basically missed the first two months of the session running for the Senate that he – you know, when Letitia Vandepute got out of the Senate, he and Jose Menendez went home to run in a special election. And they were sort of here and sort of not, but they were basically checked out. Uh, Menendez won the race. Um, Martinez Fisher came back kind of licking his wounds and – came back in and the the Democrats to some extent were disorganized before he got there and reorganized to some extent when he got back. But I don't know that that was powerful mm-hmm. enough. The question is, was his mastery of the rules and the rule book enough based on... He's pretty damn good at right. it. Yeah, they yeah. could have killed Campus Carry, though. Right. They could have killed Campus right. Carry. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they were they were they had it up against the wall and that midnight deadline, and then boom, they voted on it. What you know? So what did they? What did he get for that? Well, I think they got the thing back in where the schools could say, you know, not in this building, not in this building, not in this building, and that satisfied the chancellors, that satisfied the McRavens and the mm-hmm. McCalls and people like that who were worried about things like the drug labs at uh, University of Texas Medical Branch down at Galveston. Right. You know, if you're going to allow guns on campus, can we just not allow them in this building or that building over there or this one over here? Well, the good news is we're going to get a full explanation of this on Thursday morning. I'm sure Evan will see that we do. Um, Ross, you mentioned uh, Leticia Vandepute. She had a, a pretty big loss in the San Antonio mayoral race this weekend to Ivy Taylor, a New York native city planner who was backed by some New of the New York. Sti- don't, don't, you hate, don't hate on people from New York running things. Emily. Cecil, I think. Is, yeah, right. Is right. <laughs> yeah. Watch your ass, Cecil. <laughs> yep. um, so, uh, what, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the outcome of this race and, and what the precedent was for it and, and what it means for, you know, San Antonio Democrats politics going forward. Well, you know, the quick flyover is that just because you're powerful and mighty in Austin doesn't mean you're powerful and mighty at home. And if you like um, Vandepute or like Trey Martinez-Fisher when he went home to run for her seat or 
you know, uh, David Dewhurst when he was running against Ted Cruz and then later against Dan Patrick or John Corona running against Don Huffines, you got to have a workout to stay in shape. And, you know, these are, these are all people who went for a period of time without having any races at all and didn't have to go home and didn't have to answer, you know, close questions in a heated campaign, in town hall meetings and all of that kind of stuff. You know, you you find in politics all the time people who have to struggle every two years to keep their seat, and they get really good at it. And you look at the numbers and you say, you know, this this congressman or this representative only wins by three points, but they win every time, and they're really good politicians. And then you get people like this who are very powerful in Austin and very successful in Austin. Right, and you they start to think home. they're invincible, yeah. Well, and the people that are closer to the ground beat them. You know, the other thing is that if you're closer to the ground, you can get your voters out. She clearly didn't get her voters out. The problem is not that she didn't get her voters out. The problem is that in San Antonio, in two consecutive elections, her voters, which is to say... San Antonio Democrats have not turned down in adequate numbers well, to elect the candidate who they would have elected or should have elected. Trey Martinez Fisher well, in the, might have the Senate exactly. race. Yeah. Isn't this look, two look wins? At the, in, look yeah. at the map. Well, I'm saying, you the know, donut but, versus but, the hole and the donut one. Yeah, the hole not, didn't turn out. It's not a zero sum game. The politician who was closest to the ground, the acting mayor, got her voters out. Vandepute didn't. Right. The mayor won. It, who were her voters? It doesn't matter whether they're Republicans or Democrats. Sure if, you're, if your voters show up and the other person's voters don't show up, you win. Oh, well, that's true. But to, that's but what I, I'm but, saying. Yeah, but I actually think you've got to say that the, the, the story of this night was not simply that Ivy's voters turned out. It's that Letitia's voters did not. Well, well and, that there, and that there were other factors at play in this election the same way there were in the most recent San Antonio election. I think it, I think it shows that the conservatives slash Republicans in Bear County are pretty darn organized. organized. Right. They're very, right. very organized. It's, it's great at showing it's, up for these it's municipal... It's a Democrat. I mean, look at, look at what happened to Pete Gallego um, in, you know, uh, in the 14 elections. I right. mean, um, that was, it, Antonio, it, it right. was close, but I mean, it, it's and like... By the way, same campaign manager for... Will Hurd was Ivy Taylor's campaign manager. Right. Two so, black conservatives in right. quotes so, elected so in the majority Democratic. 2016, you right. have Hillary on the ticket. Maybe you know you you sweep again. But then in 18, when you had these low lower turnout elections, the Republicans right. are very very organized, and I, I it makes me want to know more about what they're doing in Bear County because in places like Harris County and Dallas County, where you do have Democrats, sort of, uh, you know, very, very powerful, very mm-hmm. strong. Um, Republicans can can continue to dominate uh, the state by in, in those off year elections by being very organized. I'll the quote way my brother. I'll quote my brother Ross. Anger is a greater motivator than joy. Well, at election and the Democrats time. have and done. The Republicans a, have been angry. Something's mm-hmm. wrong. You know, it, it's not just that the Republicans have done well there. Although I don't disagree with that, the Democrats have screwed this up somehow. San Antonio used to be. A turnout motor for the whole state. Right. If you were going to win a statewide election, whether you were, you know, Ann Richards or Bob Bullock or Gary Morrow or whoever, you got to win Bear County. Yeah. It's not there anymore. You know, Wendy uh, Davis lost Bear County well, in the last election. You know, I mean, where, where did Chicago. Greg Abbott? Where did Greg Abbott choose to announce his right. uh, uh, exactly. election? His his uh, run for governor was yeah. in, in, was in Minas, San the newest member of the Texas House who replaced Menendez after that election got into office with the smallest number of votes in, of, of anybody in the House. This is Ina which is, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, you know, which is, you know, great for her. She's here. Now she's got to go back and run again. you got to figure out this turnout thing or you're going to get walloped. Did Julian Castro endorse in these races? I'm curious if he uh, did. Juli- Julian did not. Uh, Joaquin endorsed Mike Villarreal in the first round because right. he got Villarreal's call 
please endorse me at a time when Letitia was still in the lieutenant governor's race. Right. And he called Letitia and, saying, and I won't said, run for mayor, he right? called her and he said, are you sure you're not running? Yes, I've said I'm not running. Are you sure? Yes, I said I'm not running. He endorsed Mike. Then Letitia loses the lieutenant governor's race and runs. I believe he endorsed Letitia in the second round. In fact, the traditional San Antonio mm-hmm. Democrats, Trey, we were with Letitia in the second round. But did they get down there and bust it? I mean, did they get right. did they get down there and work and turn people out? And then right. the answer is no. No, I don't think Julian and I don't think the Secretary Castro got in and into. The, in fact, I asked him specifically about that when he was here in Austin a couple months ago. He said. I'm not getting in it. Like, I think you're right. It's, it's yeah. anemic Democratic turnout, you know, was the story of the 2014 elections. It's the story of uh, the Trey Martinez loss, Menendez win. It's the story of this mayor's race. It's just they, they don't have that. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that it's the Texas together. It's the Texas story, so though. So you're going <laughs> right. to have a Menendez, exactly. a Menendez, Martinez, Fisher, prospectively, prospectively, a Menendez, Martinez, Fisher uh, redo I'd be very in the if we primary. Didn't. Yeah. In March, and it's going to be a traditional Democratic primary. Now, that's one fundamental difference: is that in a special election where it's all in, mm-hmm. it's one thing. Unless Republicans decide to skip every other primary election and cross over and vote in the Democratic in primary a, in, a, in a year, when in a presidential, on a presidential year, hell no. Right, right. Then it's going to be all Democrats decided, and it doesn't matter if it's ten Democrats who turn out or ten thousand. My assumption here is that Martinez Fisher is in a better position strategically, tactically. Right. That's in, what it in, looks in, like. In the the that's what it looks like from Austin. Right. Hard to know. That's what it looks like from Austin. He'd have to give up his house. Right. He'd have to. That's what it looks like from Austin. I'm not sure it looks that way in Bear County. And I think that's kind of the story of a lot of these elections. They look a particular way from Austin because you're looking at these big. Again, you know, leaders in the legislature. Yeah, you yeah. Know. And we're about to have an epidemic of people leaving the house to run for other offices. Excellent but, transition. But I, yeah, I, I just think things are changing in, in Bear County. What's Vandepute going to do now? I mean, she's basically been running for the last two years. I, you know, go home and tear up some more chickens, I guess. You guys remember that ad? <laughs> yeah. I think no. I, mit, I, think I like missed that one. It's like a Santeria thing? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, you there's an ad where she's, an ad where she's talking about she's mad at her opponents and these poor chickens. the chicken apart. Little pieces of chicken are getting... All right. So speaking of the legislature, we got um, official news this week that Tyler Senator Kevin Eltife of of the of best list fame is of not the, running. The, the Tyler Eltifes. Right. By, by the way, there are four people on that best list who may not be back next time. Right. And Probably then five. we also uh, had a story uh, last right, night true. that Jim Keffer, um, you know, one of Strauss's allies in in the House, is not going to be seeking reelection either. Any other big names? What's what are the what are the shifts that are afoot right now? You know, the goners right now are Jimmy Don Acock is a big one. Another he uh, announced at the end of the session, right? Um, Farias, Fletcher, Harless, Hughes, Keffer, Simpson, Sylvester Turner, all in the House. Martinez Fisher, if he runs for uh, Senate won't be there. I suspect you know we're going to see more things running. Usually the well, House we turns sit here over today, 20 Wednesday, to 30 names. We're sitting here today, Wednesday, on a day when it is likely, not certain, but likely that Paul Workman, the state representative from Austin, is going to announce for Troy Frazier's Senate seat. This we think maybe this afternoon. But so, don't say we when you mean me. I mean we institutionally. <laughs> we believe that that may be coming. Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to run, but but we don't know. But yeah. uh, but the point is, you have, but that race, the Fraser race, may attract Susan King. It right. may attract Paul Workman. Right. The and there are some other members who might be the in that population race. Population base in that in that district is Bell County. That's Molly White. Yeah. Uh, so the, yeah. and the Tyler uh, race, you got Simpson and Hughes at a minimum. Uh, uh, what's interesting about that? You have that list written down, right? What's, yeah. what's interesting about that list is okay. So Acock race, Bell County. That stays Republican, presumably, right? 
Republican. Although it's a heavily black district, it's a, it's it's a, it's 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 swing. You know, it's not it's not really a swing district, but, but if you were if you were squinting right. and looking for fights, you'd say maybe that's a swing district. Farias, right that's a Democratic seat that stays. Fletcher right. is a Republican seat that stays. Go down the list. There's not going to be any change of party, presumably, with any of these seats. Shouldn't be right. Including and, the two Senate seats. No, and, the question in right. these parties is is in the Republican seats, which Republican party wins? Right, it's exactly. R versus R, not R versus D. Mm. Right. right. I mean, and is there any indication that the loss of these folks, you know, there, you wrote a story about basically this puts the number of people who are sort of original, the original Strauss team, you know, down, way down in single digits. He's done a really great job of replacing the original team. Um, you know, there were 11 Republicans who met at Byron um, Cook's house. Cook's house over on Polo Road. I call them the Polo Road gang. And I was outside doing the yeah, stakeout. Yeah, we were still. Yeah. <laughs> we're outside freezing our butts off. And, and um, they came out and had picked Strauss and teamed with most of the Democrats and, you know, another half dozen to a dozen Republicans to elect Strauss over Tom Craddock. And over time, that team has dispersed. But new people have come up. Because new people have, because the older people have moved on, Strauss has had chairmanships to pass out, uh, and he's done a pretty good job. You know, the 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 conservative wing or whatever you want to call the right wing of the Republican Party came at him in January. They only mustered um, votes in the 19. high teens. It was, you know, yeah. um, I think he's in pretty good shape. And you know, it's interesting that some of his original besties are, are leaving, but uh, it doesn't appear to have hurt him politically. Well, and there'll be at least two big committees that will have new chairs as a result of these departures. There may be more with more departures, education and natural resources, ACOC and, and Keffer, and that'll be an opportunity for him to appoint somebody, right. somebody else. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, let's move down to Miami to talk a bit about Jeb Bush's presidential announcement. We saw him, one of the people who introduced him was George P., uh, Texas land commissioner, his son, who I guess it looks like is finally publicly endorsing his dad, right? He, sw he switched. <laughs> you From, should start. This was your interview. You couldn't get him to support his dad. Um, I, I thought it was, you know, I'm, I'm a, we're all sons, right? I uh, thought as I'm a, not a son, I thought as a, personally. I'm looking at Jay and, and, and Ross, you're a, you're a dude. I'm, we're, we're, okay, yeah. you're digging a hole here. Yeah. Just. Um, <laughs> first rule of life. I thought George P. did Leaving the politics of it aside, I thought he did a nice job introducing his dad. He was like one of 150 people who introduced mm -hmm. people, but introduced Jeb at that deal. He, I thought he gave a good from a son's perspective. I thought he gave a good son's speech. And his Spanish was delightful. I, I couldn't help but be reminded of W. I, I just which one, P or, or Jeb? George W. No, um, no, no. Did P remind you <laughs> of oh, W? No, no, Jeb did. Jeb, Jeb did. did. I mean, I. I it just, I was really having major flashback moments. I mean, you know, they, they wheeled Barbara Bush in, and she sat on the front row, of course, and he made jokes about her. But the mannerisms and the way they talk, they, they all sort of channel the old man. You know, it's like, bar, glad to be here. Um, channeling Dana, you know, Dana I just, Carvey channeling. I, I, I know. Yeah. I just I just felt I, I I can I just feel the the whole Bush legacy coming back. Got all nostalgic on you. It, it, it's amazing. Also, yeah. he was super casual. I mean, you know, no tie, no jacket. Both no, of them. No, he and yeah. the W were both or P were both uh, shirt, open collar, no jacket, no tie. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Casual they played. They, casual casual did, did you did you hear the band playing Emotion from the Bee Gees? I was like, what? What? I didn't. I couldn't figure out the the angle. <laughs> there was well, a little salsa. I, I, I didn't know how I felt about merengue. that until I heard uh, "Rocking in the Free World" at the Trump announcement, and I thought, no, the Bee Gees seems like a better choice, probably. Well, how does Jeb play back here at home in Texas right now? When you know we're we're looking at Rick Perry and Ted Cruz, and they're polling numbers, and they're not particularly hot. You know, do, do we even claim Jeb officially as a Texan? What what yeah. kind of? I mean. And so his will his biggest connection to Texas throughout this campaign really be a fundraising one? Well, he's as much of a Texan as look. He born in Midland, raised in Houston. Although he went off to private school in the Northeast, he raised in Houston, went to UT Austin. First job at a college was in Houston. He's got a legitimate Texas pedigree. I think to your point, they're all going to be playing up their credentials for the fundraising primary, and I, you know he'll be all over that. You know, start with Barbara Bush's Christmas card list and <laughs> work, work down his way from down. There, right? Although that didn't work out for Kay. Well, she's not part well, of the she's family. Not a bush. No, but it's yeah. been po- but no no, but it has <laughs> been family. but it has been pointed out and I think there's some validity to this that the Jeb Bush coalition in quotes in Texas looks a lot like the K coalition that the, that the voters are not dissimilar except that you know the other candidates in this race are less likely than Rick Perry was in that race to have gotten into that coalition. Do you believe I that Jeb Cruz, has Cruz, a chance to win Texas? No. It depends on who's in the race when he gets here. It, I you mean, know, well, depends, I mean, if, if the if the Republican pack sorts before then, yeah. But you know, if Cruz comes back, I don't think so. It, well, or Perry. Think about this. There's so many candidates now, and we're basically the fourth contest. I mean, we we've got uh, February one is Iowa, and then we go Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and then boom, we have Texas on March one. But not only it's the SEC primary day, right? Is there right, a bunch right, of, of course, yeah. But yeah. Texas is a, is like I think a quarter of the delegates on that an, day, an actual play. So I, I think I, I just think that um, you're going to have Ted Cruz. Right. here whether he does well in those first three contests or not and, well, you and can have a scenario. such a favorite son here well you know? unless you get unless somebody gets whacked in the debates and the finance primaries so badly that they don't make it to those races i think you're probably right yeah. you could have, have a scenario with all four first contests iowa new hampshire south carolina nevada different winner right in the republican primary. Right. well and you could get this you know i mean this is a delicious petri dish thing if, if you get a bush did you say and a petri peri- dish petri dish isn't know? it petri dish way to go cecil cecil <laughs> petri petri uh whatever you get a little <laughs> dish full of agar and um you bring home perry and paul and bush and cruz and see how they actually do in texas so what kind of spotlight does this put on George P? You know, will he relish it? What does this mean for – this can only be a boost for his prospects, right? He's in Las Vegas today. You, you know? know, but I don't know, I don't know though, that this ultimately helps or hurts him. Here's my reaction on, on for what it's worth the other day was that his speech I thought was – come back to the sun thing. What seemed like a very non-political speech. I don't know how comfortable he is with, quote, politics. He's obviously running for office. He chose to get into the family business. But he doesn't strike me as an expressly political, exceedingly ideological Out, Outpolled Abbott by a long shot. So he was up there with John Cornyn in the – Yeah. So I'm not sure that so. this helps him from a political standpoint. The people who have suspicions about his true ideological disposition will still have them. Um, if anything, being associated with his dad, who some of these grassroots conservatives who tend to be in the driver's seat in Texas right now, they consider Jeb to be a squish. They probably secretly consider him to be a squish. Remember, they had one of their own David Watts run against – not David Watts. What was the guy's name? David um, 
the guy, somebody Watts, what was his name? Was, that his, was his name Watts? Yeah. He ran against uh, Bush in the primary. Right. Th- they considered Bush to be enough of a squish. They recruited somebody to run against him in the land commission. I think brand names. I think brand names are brand names. I think you know, just like George Bush got into the land commissioner race, basically with six million dollars of name ID already built in. That's six million dollars of ads you don't have to buy that Watts or whoever else has to buy. I mean, I, right. you know, I, I think it counts, and I think, you know. It's soft, and you know it's not a prediction really. But if if you're handicapping now in the Democratic or Republican primary, you got to choose the brand names. You know the the probably right. probably you know it wouldn't be surprising to get Bush and Clinton. The, wouldn't the, be surprising the, the, not to. But the, the Bush brand has obviously taken on a little water in recent years. Right. However, I think the number of the candidates, the the more people get in, that Donald Trump getting in and all that, it helps. It helps uh, Bush. Jeb Bush because. Right. You, you know, you still – somebody goes in there and it's like you got 18 brands of bananas and the only one you know is Dole. It's I mean, Chiquita. <laughs> or Chiquita. Uh, oh, there you go. Chiquita. Okay, uh, we still got Marco oh Rubio or whatever. All right. If you would like to list a few more brands of bananas to help these two out, uh, you can Roots, email yeah. them I to – I do think this is your best work in the podcast. This is a very Tripcast big improvement. Tripcast at TexasTribune.org. Uh, also, check back every Thursday for our 2016 presidential podcast that our pal here J Root hosts. It's called The Ticket. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan Ross J and our producer Todd, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas You know, in, in, in Southeast Texas, saying Pousse ain't too good.